We're going to be in Revelation chapter 20. Some of you are going, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to be in chapter 21. We'll get there pretty quick on this, but we're going to start out in Revelation 20. Have you noticed that there are moments in life when you experience something so powerful and you, uh, you have those moments and then you try to explain them to your loved ones when you get there and you think, uh, you start explaining, but the words just start to fail you? I know I experienced that. If, if you've ever been at, uh, uh, stood in front of the Grand Tetons or at the, uh, some of the great waterfalls of Yellowstone and you come back to someone who's never been to Yellowstone and you try to explain the sound, you try to explain the grandeur and people are going, oh, that sounds nice. And you're going, no, 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 you just don't get it, right? Or maybe you have just this incredible dream uh, and you, you feel something in the dream and you want to express it. And as you're eating your cereal and having coffee in the morning, you're trying to tell your family and they're going, oh, that's nice. But you know that they really don't get how great it was because you were there. It was just this perfect dream. Maybe you have a love you feel for your child or your spouse or you try to relate something uh, do you try to relate that love to them, the depth of that, and it just comes out uh, incomplete. Words just kind of crumble under that. Today we begin a new chapter of Revelation. In many ways, this is the reason we study Revelation. It's the apex. Uh, it is the uh, literal heaven that we've been wanting to study the whole time. And you have to go through all of this other stuff. Uh, I mean... Heaven, eternity, a new world, a new universe. Jesus reveals this part of our universe to the Apostle John who does his best to describe what he sees and smells and senses and hears, but it's like the words just kind of start to break down under the weight. You know what I mean? It's He can't get it all out and everybody's going, oh, that's nice, a new city, a new city. Oh, uh, streets of gold, that sounds good. Uh, and this volume four of this series, this fall, let's face it, it's been doom and gloom up to this point, right? Uh, and the final judgment and, and praise God, we've learned a great deal about who God is and why he does what he does through all of the judgment and wrath and all of that stuff. But today we talk about something so awesome, heaven and our lives there. It's going to be refreshing and life-giving at the same time. Uh, But let me warn you, it's also just like crazy mind-exploding stuff. Like always, we'll put our lens of scripture on we will look at the words written and we, we can think about what it would be like, but we take what's written there and we use Scripture itself to interpret Scripture. Does that make sense? We look at Scripture to interpret other parts of Scripture. Now, on what we think it should say, uh, that's, can, we don't go with that. We don't go with, uh, with what we hope it might be like. We say, what is here? Now, there's a lot of mystery here. There's a ton, though, that we can glean from these pages. We're going to move fast today. Uh, so if you're new, we've got some notes there for you. You can, uh, you can fill in the blank if that kind of helps you remember. It helps me if I'm sitting there listening. So, uh, And all the scripture that we'll be covering is right there. But let's start off with a prayer. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for the chance to come together, God, even to appoint these new elders. God, this, this stuff, though, that we're reading today gets me so excited. Would you help us to hear your words of Scripture that the Apostle John so faithfully recorded? But help us to see beyond the words and to see who you are uh, for us that are in Christ Jesus. Father, there are some of us here listening that struggle with believing in you and these in these things. They're just so crazy to our little minds, God. May these words take on a new meaning. Holy Spirit, would you just open our eyes to the call uh, that you have on us into our spiritual life. It is in the name of Jesus Christ. We all prayed and said, Amen. Amen. All through the book of Revelation, all through it, Jesus is revealing our future to the Apostle John, who is an old man at this point. He's being held prisoner on an island. He can walk anywhere on the island he wants to. He has to fish for himself, fend for himself. He lives in a little kind of uh, cave area, not too deep. You can still go to that place today. Jesus is revealing this to him this entire book and he's faithfully writing this down as we move beyond uh, to this next section in this book you can see the new section always begins with these words then i saw that's how you know a new scene is beginning and you're going to see what john sees he's going to describe what john sees just to remind you where we left off the tribulation is over Praise God. The millennial reign is over. Praise God. Satan, God's enemy, has been, he has been uh, defeated and cast into hell along with his demons. We saw the great white throne judgment. That's over. Let's just read verse 11 again for a clue to what we are about to see, though. Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it, earth and Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. Now remember, we only know what Scripture tells us at this point. Let the words reveal themselves, meaning we can speculating, uh, speculate on stuff that's not written, but we can only know what is written in these words, what we have. So what is written? Well, we talked about this from the beginning. Jesus Christ ruling from the great white throne at the judgment. But we look at what it also says. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. Look at this. Write this down. Heaven and earth's destruction is imagery that represents the fear of corruptible matter in the presence of a holy God. Now what does that mean? Like all matter is part of this fallen world, corrupted by sin. Literally, when Adam and Eve sinned, original sin means that the entire universe fell. It's not like it's supposed to be. The fallen creation can't stand to be in the presence of Jesus as revealed fully God. But then all, we also take this literally about what it says as the dissolution of the universe as we know it in the preparation for this appearance of something new. A physical creation 
the physical creation is gone at this point. Now, what do we not know? Well, a truckload. A truckload. Like, where are we, the redeemed of God at this point? Where we know where the lost are, they've been cast into the lake of fire. Hell. Well, we are somewhere, but we don't know where. It just does not say. We have to trust the Lord with that. But this sets up the words that we watch for. Then I saw. Verse 1 of chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. A couple of things right off the bat. First, the word new. The emphasis here is not on a new time. A lot of people say time ends and new time starts. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Time is continuing. The emphasis here is not on time. Or it's not like new, like a new copy. It is, uh, it is like a new cop, uh, not like a new copy of the same earth, same heaven. This is what you need to think of. New means a qualitative distinction. Not just a copy, but a new and improved creation. Do you see the difference? This is a new physical universe. It's a better quality than what we have now. It supersedes everything that has come before it. And notice, there is no ocean, no sea. We don't know what that means totally. We don't. We take it at face value. There's no ocean, no sea. But the deeper meaning could be that the sea represents wickedness, sin. It represents that through the Old Testament. A lot of times when it talks about the sea, it is a thing where it's saying this represents this evil stuff. Now we could, it could mean both things, like there is no ocean, no sea, and no wickedness. We know there's no wickedness. So look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. There's a couple of things going on, so watch close. The bride of the Lamb, we saw back in chapter 19, you remember? God's people prepared. It's pictured now as a holy city that comes down out of heaven. It is dropping down physically to the earth. God's people have been prepared, is now a holy city representing this. Now, look at those words, prepared and adorned. She is not just beautiful, she is totally prepared, totally adorned. Now, remember, this is a city we saw this back in chapter 19, the bride, this picture of all the saints that have been redeemed, but that was a thousand years ago. This has been a thousand years later. And so here's the thing, she does not get old. She's still just as beautiful as she was before. I want you to see a comparison here. You remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the evil capital city of Babylon, you remember that? And how it was destroyed? This is in juxtaposition to that. That evil city Babylon was described as a prostitute that was dressed garishly. She was dressed nice, but in like a prostitute would. Now this new city is beautiful, adorned, the bride. She is holy and pure. Do you see the difference between those 
deal. This is the real thing. The new capital city of God, this new Jerusalem in heaven, is described as this beautiful bride coming down. Now, then John hears this. Verse 3. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Now, we don't know who this is. We suspect it's an angel. But listen, it's a loud voice. And if John says it's loud, it's ear-piercing loud. Look. God's dwelling is with humanity and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Can I get a big amen? This is what we're longing for right here, is it? This is what we're longing for. Let's just pause for just a minute. God Himself comes to live with us. Heaven come to earth. That, it's too much to even comprehend. To live with humans. You might say, what's the big deal here? God has been to earth before, and you might be right in that. Uh, He has been with His people, the Israelites. Uh, He was with Adam and Eve. Uh, He was in the temple, right? His presence in the temple. We saw Jesus come as a baby. We're about to get ready to celebrate the, the season of Advent, Christmas, right? So God has been to earth Before, what's the difference now? Everything is put back to the way it was in the garden. In fact, what you're going to see over these next few weeks that we look at this is that, folks, this is the garden. It is back to the garden. A new and improved one. We've been redeemed. We have been given a new body if we are in Christ. We have seen everything physical of the old sinful fallen world get destroyed. Every sin, even death uh, and sin have been destroyed. Now, you can let that roll off of you, um, but here's what you need to understand. You cannot sin in heaven. Have you ever wondered that? Like you go, well, what if we're back in the garden and like I I slip and I eat the apple? It's not going to happen. Sin now has been destroyed. Death is no more. You cannot die. Adam and Eve had experienced God this way in relationship to Him, but they could sin. We will not be able to. We will have been made complete. What I'm saying is that the curse is gone. We are back to the way it was in the garden. The weight and the meaning of this, that God would live with us to do life with us, is just mind-blowing. Do you see what I mean? The words just don't. They start to crumble. They don't describe what it feels like. He won't be above us. He won't be uh, governing us from afar, but literally, physically, spiritually with us. I want you to understand. Here it is. Write this down. The result of living in the perfect Living in perfect physical and spiritual community with God means pain, turmoil, and grief will cease to exist. Now, some of you don't get this yet. The result 
of being with God physically and spiritually in communion in this new creation, the result is He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Now, check your thoughts here. Check your thoughts. Check your baggage here, your history with God. I'm guilty of this. Maybe you are too. Sometimes I want what God can give me more than I want God. Have you been there before? Like you've pleaded with God in prayer for something and you want to want God more, but you want the thing that God can give you more than God sometimes. I want the stuff more than I want God. I want to be happy. I, I want joy. I want love. I want stuff. But the truth is I can't get what it's talking about here without having God first. That relationship with Him is what produces this. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6.33. Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Christians are famous for wanting what God can give them more than they want God. That's our battle. I mean, I, I, I'm honest. Is this you too? But here in this future kingdom, we are safe. We will have God. We will have that relationship, both spiritually and physically. Remember the, the perspective here. This new city, this new city is coming down. It's not all the way down yet. That happens next week. We're going to see it. It's all described. It's also described as a bride. It gets a little confusing, but it's a literal, physical city. And it's about this relationship in that city. It is real and it is a physical world with God, physically, with all the other saints here, physically. And it is impossible to overstate what that means. But at the end of the day, you need to get that. Eternity with God is about living in a real relationship with God in a real place. Notice the use of the word real. Because so many of us in this room have this picture that is totally not from God. It's from Hollywood. I think it comes more from cartoons than movies. But clouds and guys with loose-fitting clothes playing from some bizarre instrument, right? This is real. I mean, back to the Old Testament when God worked through His servant Moses that led the people, uh, the Israelite people out of slavery. You remember, they go through the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. Uh, he leads them out into the desert. By the way, the journey could take up to 11 days if you went slow. <laughs> They're in the desert for 40 years because they won't believe God. But God stays with them. And right in the middle, if you look in the Bible, uh, it's a different uh, deal, but if you look how God has them camp out, He says, uh, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle, a, a traveling tent, if you will, and I'm going to be in the Holy of Holies, this cubed room. It's completely square, and inside that room, I'm going to have an Ark of the Covenant, and I, my spirit will be right there between the two angels' wings, and I will speak to you from there, right? 
And if you look in your Bible, a little side note, this is kind of interesting, is if you look at how the, they're to camp out around that thing, it's the shape of a cross. It just blows me away with God right in the center of the cross. God would be there and in the daytime would be this pillar of smoke going up and at night that same pillar you would see just light up with flame on the inside all the way up. Not from a fire that they were producing, but the Holy Spirit of God. They lived every day like that. And when that pillar of smoke or pillar of fire started to move, they go, oh, got to pack up, got to follow God, right? That tabernacle is where the presence of God was. Moses would go in and talk with God face to face, God says. When Moses would come out, his face would be all glowing like, whoo. It would freak them out so bad they go, Moses, put like a, a veil over your face. So he would, and, and it would fade, and he would hide his face as it faded. God, uh, or Moses would tell uh, the people what God said. God was in the camp, but he did not do life with them because of their sin. They were sinful people. But here in heaven, we're not sinful. God is in the camp, but we don't need an intermediary your life with God. We will be in perfect fellowship with the Trinity, free of emotional pain, pain, complete. I don't want you to get stuck here, but can I just say something that I think that we all feel and sense here? Drink a cup of coffee here because this is deep. Although I love Jesus, and I have walked with him for many years, talking about myself. He's given me so much joy, so much peace. I am a very wealthy, wealthy man. Not so much with money, but I'm a very wealthy man. Here's the thing, though. I cannot express how thankful I am for all that I have, my relationships with you, my family. But here's the thing. See if this is you, too. Something's still wrong. I have this hurt in my heart that I live with every day. I'm a Christian. Like I know I'm forgiven. I know God loves me. I know that I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. But there's still hurt in my heart. Through the good times, the bad times, the ups, the downs, I still hurt. Do you? Stuff, even in the best times, is not totally good in my heart. The reason? We're living in the in-between. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. But I've not seen the full meaning of what that is in heaven. Because I still can sin, even though I'm forgiven of it. I still have this body that wants sin. I wrestle with depression. I've never, made, uh, I've never made a secret of that. I don't let it define me. But it is a battle that I face fairly regularly. I know how to fight it with prayer and being in God's Word. People go, hey, Paul, why, why are you in God's Word so much? And I go, oh, man, you have no idea. Man, there's hurt in my heart. Is there hurt in your heart even though that you love Jesus? 
That's all of us. This is a fight that we're in. I'm telling you, that completeness does not happen until the other side. So if you're wondering why, like in the best worship service right after, and you go and you're going home and your wife says something that ticks you off just a little bit, you go, why did that thing tick me off? Because you're still you. Your spirit, your soul has been redeemed, but you're still you. You're still jacked up. And yes, the Holy Spirit is slowly remaking me. I am much better than I used to be. Even much better than I was yesterday. You see, to read these words in verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things, they've passed away. Are, are you with me? This is not just a saying. Deep in your heart, that pain you still feel, that will be gone. And get this, it's a real physical place. As real as if we just drove to Estes Park right now and walked around downtown. As real as that is, that is as real as heaven will be and much, much more. Verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. How many things is he making new? He also said, Write, because these words are faithful and true. So John's writing these down. Then he said to me, It is is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Look at that line when it says, it is done. Write this down. Means the end of all temporary things. Eternity has begun. Eternity has begun. The first letter in the Greek, al Greek alphabet is alpha. The last letter, omega. In other words, from A to Z. When Jesus says He is the beginning, He is the literal beginning. We studied Genesis this year. Every, John 1, 1 says everything that was made was made through Him. Jesus is the author of this physical world that we live in. He was there at the beginning. Jesus was there at Genesis. He was there at the fall. He was there in the Old Testament. Jesus was there in the New Testament. Jesus is with us now through the Holy Spirit. And here at the end, Jesus is with us. Jesus turns back to John. He says, I want to talk to those guys for just a second. He turns back to us living here in this time. Living water can always be freely available to you, he says. We can always find and drink it. Look what verse 7 says. He says, the one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Look, to conquer in this life means that we have to drink from the living water. That's how we overcome this pain and hurt we all live in. What is the living water? Jesus says, that's me. Jesus himself says, drink from me. Jesus, we drink from him by following his commands. Following him as our Lord and Savior. 
doing His plan for our life, following Scripture, living the life He's called us to live by placing ourselves squarely in His love. And you know what I mean, don't you? Because if you think, hey, His love is right here. I'm following His commands. I'm in the Word daily. I'm in church regularly. Many of us go, hey, I'm just going to step over here for a little bit out of God's love, out of fellowship, out of God's Word, out of prayer, into sin. And then you wonder why your life starts getting screwed up. You go, Paul, what's wrong? And you meet with me. I go, are you in God's Word? No, not like I should be. Or why aren't you in church? Well, I just got really busy. Why, why aren't you in prayer daily? Well, I just, I don't know. I, I get, bit, you know, I get thinking about other stuff. Get back into the love of God. Yes, there will be hard times. But you will be able to sustain through this. And then Jesus gives this warning back to us. Verse 8. But the cowards, faithless, Detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake of lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Jesus reminds us that the people that don't turn will burn and burn for all eternity. By the way, I've heard this criticism before. I'll say, Paul, don't preach about hell because it might scare people. And you don't want to scare people into a relationship with Jesus. You want them to come to Jesus out of love for uh, Jesus for them. Here's my thought. First, only the Holy Spirit can draw you from death to life. I can't. Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. Uh, And by the power of the gospel. Second, uh, if you don't see the love of Jesus Christ for you to pay for your sins on the cross by spilling His blood instead of yours, I don't know what else can show you the love. I just don't. Third, it's good to be scared of hell. It's good to be scared of God. If you're headed to hell, you deserve to know it. Like I would think, it would actually be hate for me to not tell you you were on your way to hell. You see what I mean? Like love would be, hey, you need to understand you are on your way to hell if you don't turn and repent. Let it scare the hell out of you. Turn your heart to Jesus fully. You'll find love there. But the truth is, if we are so afraid of telling people the truth that they will go to hell because it, that we're afraid of hurting their feelings, I don't get that. I just don't. Well, here's my dilemma. Um, we are through uh, verse 8, 7, 8 here, and I'll probably go backwards a little bit next week. Um, And we only have one week left in our series. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish our series um, after the first of the year. We'll do this week uh, and and next week. And then it's a week that you don't want to miss called Thankful Sunday. The Sunday after Thanksgiving at Bentry is always uh, just a, a wonderful service. You cannot miss that, especially if you've got family in town. It's almost all music and worship, just uh, inspiring. Um, 
But we're going to pick this up after the new year, January, the first couple of weeks in January. Uh, I'm sorry for that, but I don't want to go fast. This is just so rich. Let me close with this. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. That's what we're talking about. Paul is telling us how to live our life now based on then. Set your minds means to make a predetermined plan to create this operating system within yourself, in your heart and mind that says, the plans that I make today are not based on today or even on this earth, but they are based on heaven. Now this is intrinsically difficult for us because we are still in this physical body. But to seek the things above means that we are to live our lives today in a way that is seeking Christ Jesus. How do we do that? Literally, by living out the gospel message of Jesus to those around us, by being Jesus to them. This is not an easy task. Because we, we come pre-programmed to think about ourselves in the moment. Sure, if you're really on top of things, you will plan for the future. I'm not knocking planning for retirement, although I am saying retirement is something different than the world is saying it is. I'm not saying it's bad to plan for your financial future. I'm not saying that. But we come with this mindset that it's all about me for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long that you have. Maybe it's just a year. Maybe you'll be dead by this time next year. But our lives are so focused on us just wanting what I want right now. But the key for those in Christ Jesus is to think of ourselves as already dead. Dead to this life. If we are a Christian, we are dead to this life, but alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? And one day, one day soon, we will appear with Him in heaven. Let's pray.
And one day, one day soon, we will appear with him in heaven. Let's pray.